Okay, we're in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 17 through 21. We're in lesson 16 today. And we're going to talk about being ready for the day. Okay? Ready for the day. Now, uh, specifically when we talk about, in, in the New Testament especially, when we talk about the day, what we're referring to is the day of judgment. All right? The day of when we, you and I have to stand before Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I don't think there is a judgment for us. Well, yeah, there is. But it has nothing to do with whether or not you're saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not an issue if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you committed your life to him, you recognize who he is, and you committed your life to follow him, it's not going to be a judgment as to whether or not you go to heaven or hell, okay? because if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. It's an issue of what did you do with the life that he gave you. It's an issue of what did, he, what did you do with the Christian life that he gave you, with the, the saved life. What, what, how have you served him before you went to meet him? Since the time you got saved, before, you need, before when you met him. You say, is that in the Bible? Yeah, well, here, I'll throw, a, I'll throw a passage out to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about building on the foundation. If you go and read there, it talks about building on the foundation. And that one day, how you build on the foundation, either you're going to be building with, with gold, silver, precious stones, or with wood, hay, or stubble, how you build on that, one day that's going to be judged, and the picture there is it's going to be put through the fire. And fire is always in the scripture a picture of judgment. And how you build, what you build in your life, is going to be judged, and, and, and here's what it says, with fire. Now, what happens with gold, precious stones, Silver, when it goes through the fire. Yeah, it's refined. Now, what happens with wood, hay, stubble when it goes through the fire? Yeah, it's burned up. And then it's, it's a very interesting verse that Paul says there. He says, and some will lose everything except that they're saved. Except that they're saved. They'll have their salvation but the implication is they have no reward later on. So we're going to talk today about an aspect of being ready for the day. Because a lot of us, we don't think in terms of what am I laying... You know, you, hear, you used to hear all the time preachers talk about laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. How I many of you have heard that type of statement before? Okay? We, you, you hardly ever hear that anymore. But we're going to talk about, I guess you could say, being ready for when you stand before Jesus. Okay? Because you don't have to fear for, am I going to go to hell, if you know him, if you're a believer. But you do have to give an account for how you live your life. There are other passages in Scripture. Remember, Jesus said, every idle word will be brought into account. Now, how many of you have said silly things this week? How many of you remember the silly things that you said this week? I probably don't remember most of them. But every idle word will be brought into account. That's what Jesus is saying. So, you know, and I've heard people describe it like there's going to be a supercomputer and he, and he brings it up on his No, no, I think reality is, is that when we get there, we're just going to know. We're going to have a consciousness and awareness of our life that we have deceived ourselves concerning now. And we'll be basically naked. Not physically like standing naked, probably will be in a new body, 
But our minds, everything, our, our whole lives will be exposed by the light. Who's the light? Jesus. So let's look today. We're going to look, first of all, verse 17. He's going to talk about the purpose of, the, of love's work in our lives. Let, actually, let's look at verse 17 through 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is, and so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Okay, so he's going to talk, first of all, the purpose of love's work. John tells us why the love of God has been perfected in us, okay? So remember last week we talked about the evidence of love's perfection in our life, remember, was what? How do, how do we, if I think back, hopefully you haven't lost it since last week, how is love's work evidenced in our life, the perfection of it? Well, not obedience. That's good, though, Mary. Ultimately, you can say obedience, but that's not... Obedience in what area? Okay, Brad, I didn't hear... Yes, loving each other. How do you know that God's... Remember, we talked about this in a few verses before this. How do you know that love's work is perfected, that God's love is perfected in your life, is the fact that we love each other. Because that's so countercultural. That's so different. Because in our self-centered, self-focused world... That's completely the opposite of what should be happening. Okay? So he tells us why the love of God has been perfected in our life. Here's what it is. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. All right, let me stop for a moment. The closest thing that I can think of to the day of judgment as far as on an earthly level, okay, that maybe you and I could wrap our brain around to help you to understand, is how many of you remember having to stand before your daddy when you did something wrong? How many remember that, okay? Now, how many remember if you did something wrong, the feelings you had? What kind of feelings did you have? Yeah, you were scared. It was what? Fear, okay? You were f- afraid of standing before your, before your daddy because you knew you did wrong, and he knew you did wrong. And uh, he probably knew more than you think he knew. You're hoping he didn't, but he did. And so there, there, was, a, there was a level of fear there. Now, but hold on, let's back up. How many of you had to appear before your daddy, and you know you didn't do anything wrong? Were you afraid then? Well, maybe just being in his presence, but... No, but there's a sense that you know you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't have to worry about it. You were okay, right? But if you did do something wrong, you were extremely fearful. This is the point he's making here. God's love is perfected in our lives and expressed towards each other so that one day when we appear before Jesus, we don't have to be sheepish. Did you understand what I'm saying? We don't have to be sheepish about the junk in our life. Because we did what God's love wanted us to do, and that's love each other. Do you understand? We can have boldness because, hey, I did what you wanted me to do, Jesus. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I did what you wanted me to do. So, in fact, here's what our testimony will be. This is why we can have boldness. Our testimony will be that we were like Christ in this world. Look at what it says there, verse 17. Because as he is, now who's he talking about he there? As Christ is, look at what it says there, so are we in this world. The fact is, is that you and I are to be like Jesus Christ, live like Jesus Christ in this world. We're to act towards each other in this world. That's why love is perfected. Because would you say that Jesus is the the ultimate expression of love in this world? Would you say that's true? The way he lived his life and how he ministered to people? Okay. And we're called to be like what? Like Jesus. So you and I, if if we... if we set as an example to be like Christ in our life, and love is perfected, and we express that love as he did, we can stand before Jesus. We can have boldness, you know, because as he was, so were we in this world. Now, that's a good question. How are you in this world? Don't answer that out loud, but you can think about that. How are you in this world? Are you like Jesus in this world? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to say what? No. In fact, if we're honest with ourselves, we probably thought, I've never thought of that before. I thought, once I'm saved, I'm always saved, I'm okay, and I don't need to worry. No, no, you you understand there's a responsibility. Now, let me just back up for a moment. Let me back up for a moment. You know, we believe in eternal security here at our church, which means if you truly come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you commit your life to him, you are saved. You are guaranteed salvation until you go, but you can't lose it. But you have to be committed to him. You have to... You have to know him with all of your heart. You have, have, you have to follow him. Now, let me just stop for a moment. What has happened, though, with that doctrine is, is that it has evolved into some bad teaching. What do you mean, some bad teaching, George? Well, it's evolved in some teaching that says, well, I can just go do whatever I want to do now because I'm forgiven. Because I, I'm okay. No, in fact... The, the teaching has, has evolved into, all you got to do is just be saved, and that's all that matters. No. What we see, and specifically in this passage, is, is that there's going to be a day of judgment, and you and I have to stand in it. And it's going to be a question of, listen to me, am I going to be sheepish? Or am I going to have boldness? Because the way I live my life, Jesus, I was trying to be like you. And love was perfected in my life, and I expressed it towards others around me. Or are we going to be sheepish because we, we operated under some false doctrinal teaching that says, well, you know, I was saved, so I thought I could just do whatever I wanted to do. No, that's, you, don't, you don't understand. You, just, you don't get a license to sin. Jesus didn't die on the cross to give you a license to sin. Do, do you know what I'm saying? You don't have a license to sin. He, he died on the cross to break up your license to sin. So you had a license to sin before Jesus. So that's the reality. So then notice something here. He's going to talk about the absence of fear. Because here's the thing. When you stand before Jesus, fear is a big word. Why do I say that? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul calls it. The Apostle Paul in his epistles refers to, and I think it's the Corinthian epistles, 
refers to the day of judgment. Here's how he refers to it. If you want to write this down in the margin of your notes, you can't. He refers to it as the day of terror. That's how the Apostle Paul refers to it. And he talks about us standing in the day of terror. So, okay, so I just want you to understand, when you stand before him and have to give your, an account of your life, it's a serious thing. Okay? It's a serious thing. Now, so fear is going to be real. Did you understand what I'm saying? But here's what Paul tells us. Paul tells his readers that there's no fear in love. Okay, because remember now, let's go back to what he's talking about. In, in the prior verse, he said, you know, if, I'm, if, if love is perfected in me, and he's already talked about what love perfection is. Perfected love in me is me loving others around me. Me loving the other brethren around me. Okay? If love is perfected in me, I can have boldness in the day of judgment. Now he goes on in verse 18 and says, there's no fear in love. See, if love's perfected in me, I don't need to be scared of the day of judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't need to be, oh, I, you know, I, boy, I hope I don't, you know, hope you don't, no, whoa. you know, you don't need to be afraid. Okay? You don't need to be afraid. Because why? Perfected love this is the issue here. When he's talking about love in this verse, he's talking about the perfected love in your life. Perfected love in our life casts out fear. If God's love is perfected in you, and how you know that is by your love for others. Okay? By your love for others. If God's love is perfected in you, you're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be afraid of standing before Jesus. And you say, are you sure that's what that fear is? Well, take a look there at verse 18. Look at what it says there. Fear, because fear involves what? Torment. That's talking about the judgment, folks. It's all in reference to, it's in the same context of verse 17, the day of judgment. He's talking about the context of standing before Jesus. So fear refers to the fear of standing before Christ at the judgment. All right, let's stop for a moment. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I know about me on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, that a lot of times the concept of standing before Jesus isn't always in the forefront of my mind. I'm talking about myself now. Okay? So a lot of times... That reality does not guide my life the way it should. Does everybody understand me? Can everybody relate to that? Okay? But here's what I want you to understand. The implication of the text and the implication of other scriptures in the New Testament is we need to have that in the forefront of our mind. Because if you had it in the forefront of your mind that one day you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of your life and he already knows what happens, he can actually explain your motives because you don't even truly understand your own motives. Isn't that a scary thing? If we had that in the forefront of our mind, do you think something would change in our life? Yeah. 
Because here's the thing I can remember. I can remember as a boy growing up that there were some things, I mean, I, I, I did dumb stuff, as all teenage boys do, and, and, and tried to get away with stuff. But there were some things that I didn't do for fear of my dad. And it was always in the forefront of my mind, if daddy found out, I'm dead. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and there was a sense in which you didn't do things for fear of mom and dad. For me, it was primarily a fear of my dad. Okay? Now, you and I can relate to that, right? Because how many of you, that was the experience that you grew up with. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you got in trouble at school and dad found out, you got in double trouble. Okay? Do, do you know what I mean? Okay. And, and that kind of guided you because it's like, okay, I think I can handle the principal being mad at me, but I can't handle dad being mad at me. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So we understood that as children. We understood that as teenagers. You know what? We've got to understand that as adults living for Jesus. Because it's not our daddy that we've got to answer to. It's Jesus. You say, well, that's a scary thing. Well, it doesn't have to be scary. That's the point of what John's trying to bring out here. It doesn't have to be scary because if love is perfected, God's love is perfected in your life, you can have boldness and love drives out the fear. Because out of love, you are trying to live your life like who? Jesus. See, that's the implication is how are you living your life? How are you living your life? And here's what he says. If you're afraid of standing before Jesus, because obviously as we're talking about this, some of you are thinking about that. And you're like, man, whew, I don't know if I want, I don't know if to, I, you know, I don't know if I want to right now. First of all, you don't have any choice when. You don't know when. It will come on you. It will come on all of us. But fear reflects that God's love has not been perfected in our life. If you're afraid of standing before Jesus, here's what John is saying. That fear reflects that God's love has not been perfected in your life. That love has not been perfected in your life. So then look at verse 19. Here's what he says. We love him because he first loved us. So what's he saying here? John states what the basis of our love of God is. What's our basis for our love for God? Here it is. We love him because he first loved us. Nobody initiates a love for God. Does everybody understand me? Nobody. Nobody in existence has is, is, is initiated a love for God. All love for God is a response to God. So you need to understand that. We love him because what? He first loved you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reality is, is even in your salvation, it's not because you all of a sudden decided to to give your life to him, it's because he pursued you. He's the one who sent people to tell you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who gave you understanding to grasp it. He's the one who did the work of regeneration in your life. He's the one who sent Jesus long before you were ever born to die for you. That's the expression of love. That's the expression of love. So then... Verse 20 and 21 is going to talk about that expression of love. Look with me at verse 20 and 21. First of all, the evidence of love. Look at what verse 20 and 21 say. If someone says, I love God, 
and hates his brother. He's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? For this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Okay, so what's he talking about here? First of all, the evidence of love. The evidence of love. The one who says one thing and does another is a liar. So specifically he's talking about here about the issue of loving God. You can't sit here, and, and in our churches, are, I've been in churches. I've, I've, I've pastored another church besides this church. And through the years, I've been pastoring now for 20 years. I've been interacting. I've been in ministry longer. I've been a Christian for 28 years. And, and the reality is, is I've been in church, you've been in church, and, and we meet people, and, and they'll say, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love God. And in the same service, turn around and bite the head off of somebody. Rip somebody. You know, you know what I'm saying? Just blister them with their mouth or their actions or their snubbing. Did you understand? Because sometimes you can be mean and not say anything. It doesn't have to be voice. And, and the reality is, is you can't do that, John is saying. You cannot do that. You can't say one thing. I love God and hate your brother. Be mean to your brother. Because that's not possible. In fact, he goes, I mean, he's, you know what, I'm not, John's pretty blunt. I, I'm, I'm glad, uh, you, ever had, you ever had an uncle like this that would just say it like it is? And you knew he was right? That's John here, because you and I, if it was me, I'd say, well, you know, if you, if you, if you say you love Jesus and, and, and you hate your brother, well, you know, things aren't, things aren't the way they should be. That's how George would put it, okay? Here's how John says it. You're a liar! Whoa! First of all, we don't like being called a liar. How many of you like being called a liar? I don't like being called a liar. But that's how blunt he is. Because he's saying it's not possible. In fact, here's what James would say. James is saying it's like, can you, can you draw salt, salt water out of a, a freshwater well? Can you utter praises and curses from the same heart? Praises towards God, cursing others. No. That's what James would talk about. You see, the reality is, listen, the reality is, is if you say you love Jesus, if his love, he's going back to that whole thing about perfected love. If love for God is perfected in your life, it's going to be expressed how? Loving other people. It's going to be expressed loving other people. That's the reality of it. Okay? So, here's what James's point. If one cannot love his brother... And specifically says who he has seen. So if you can't love who you can physically touch, physically talk to, if you can't love that person, and he's talking about a brother in Christ. Okay, When he talks about a brother, he's talking about a fellow believer. If you can't love your fellow believer whom you can touch, here's what he's saying. How can he love God? And specifically he's saying that you've never seen How can you love God? 
Well, I don't know. No, they maybe love a concept of God, but they maybe don't love the true God. Because the reality is, is you can't love God and be mean and belligerent. In fact, I've said this for years. Here's what I want you to notice. You can write this down if you want to. You can tell a person's relationship with Christ by how they act towards others. Write that down. You can tell a person's relationship with Jesus by how they act towards other people. That's just the bottom line. How do you know that? If they don't have a living relationship with God, they're going to be critical, backbiting, cutting people. They're going to be mean. They're going to be... They're not going to consider about their actions. George, how can you say that? Well, here's what I have the reality of. is When I'm real before Jesus, I am real about myself. What do you mean? See, because we can operate in a self-deceptive world. Have you noticed that? And we can think that everybody else is messed up, but that we're okay. But when I go before Jesus, here's what I realize. I'm a work in progress. In fact, you know what, I, I'm, from, I'm from South Carolina. I never heard this until I came up here to Pennsylvania and dwelt among you folks. And you say things like this. Boy, he's a piece of work. You ever heard somebody say, you probably have said that. Is that a nice thing to say? Can you, it, it, what, kind of, what kind of statement is that when we say he's a piece of work? It's pretty, it's not a nice thing to say, Right. Well, here's what I realize. You know what? When I go before God, and, and I'm honest in my confession before him of my sins, and, and he's dealing with me about my attitudes, here's what I realize about me, George Cannon. I'm a piece of work. And you would still love me, Jesus. So you come to grips with the reality of who you are, so you cannot belittle people around you. You cannot, because if he could show grace to you and show love to you, you see, this is why we love him, because he first loved us. You, yeah, me, the piece of work, okay? Y'all are works too, okay? So just be aware of that, all right? Uh, I didn't say you were a piece of work because I know that's derogatory. I said we're works in progress. That's a polite way to say it, all right? But, but the reality is, is that if you are aware of yourself, it changes you. And so when I say to you, you can tell where a person is at in their relationship by Jesus, by how they interact with other people, that is a true statement. Look, I know it because um, there was a time in my life, boy, it hasn't been that well, it has been that long now. Um, all the years run together now. But I can remember a period in my Christian walk when I was a very critical person where I would be, was very critical of others, critical of what they were doing, critical of their motives, critical of this, critical of that, okay? Uh, just... A griper and a complainer. Not out, out, not out loud, but just with a select few people. Okay? You know what changed that? A deeper walk with Jesus. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. Realizing me, my junk. That changed it. And then, here's what, I be, what began to happen. I became less critical of people, more tolerant of people, more able, to be honest with you, I'm glad it took place before I started pastoring because now I could sit down across from somebody and they could tell me their junk and I'm not sitting there saying, well, you dirty... No, I'm thinking, wow. But for the grace of God, that could have been me. But for the grace of God, that could have been me. You see, that's from being with Jesus. So you can't, if you cannot love, if one cannot love his brother, how can he love God? Because love's not perfected. So here's what he says. He, goes, he just wraps it all up again. Verse 21, here's what he says. The commandment to love each other comes from Jesus. See, again, it's not an option. You and I, if we know Jesus, if we, if we love Jesus, it's not an option. You just can't say, oh, today, you know what, I'm having a bad hair day. You should have seen my week this week, and i got to go to church, and i got to put my happy face on. But I'm going to be honest with you, I really don't want to talk to people today. I sure don't want to talk to so-and-so. You can't do that. That's not possible. It's not an option to us. It is a command. We can't be like my teenagers or your teenagers. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, I need you to take the garbage out. Come back later, it's still outside. Hey, I thought, no, it's still inside. I thought I told you to take the garbage out. Oh, I thought I could take care of it later. Was there an option in what I said? Do you know what I'm saying? Teenagers think there's options. You know, you tell them to do something, it's one of the options. You know what? Am I the only one whose dad like that? You know, no, okay? But we do the same thing with God, don't we? So when we read something that this is a commandment from Jesus, we think, well, yeah, there's another option too. There is no other option. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By your love for one another. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. So here's here's what he's saying. If you truly love God, you must love your fellow believer. Reality. If you truly love him. If you truly love him, you got to love everybody else. Because here's the thing. That's what church is about. You know, and, and, it's, we, and I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again. We, church is not a normal social club. Okay, in a, in a sense it is, but it's not a normal one. Why? Because you have all these people, this is the way a living church is supposed to be. You have all these people come in from their different backgrounds, different social economic statuses, different weeks, different experiences, and, and everybody comes in here, and some are happy, you know, and then, and then some are grumpy, because they've, they've had a grumpy week, okay? And, and the reality is, is when you get this many people together, it is a volatile mix, what do, what do I mean by it's a volatile mix? Well, when you get that many type of people together, 
And you've got people who are aware of everything, and then you've got people who are oblivious to stuff. You know, you know what I'm saying? They make mistakes, and they don't even know they made mistakes. And you've got people who have social graces, and then you've got folks who never were taught any social graces about how to interact with people. And so you've got a volatile mix in a church, and it's always a volatile mix. And so with a volatile mix, and it, and it can change from week to week, day to day, because it all depends on what their day's been like. With a volatile mix, what happens with people? Yeah, you're going to have explosions. You're going to have people rubbing each other wrong. But what we talk about, when we talked about, we saw this two weeks, uh, last week, when we talk about love being perfected, the reality is, is that we learn to love each other in spite of each other. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's the perfection of love, because that's how God loved you in spite of you, right? In spite of the fact that, you know what, here, here's the interesting thing. You want to know, how, I got to love them? Yeah, you got to love them like Jesus loves you. Well, how's that? Well, have you messed up this week? Have you sinned against God? Are you contemplating sinning against God? And He still loves you? Has He tried to get your attention about something and, and point something out to you and you're ignoring Him, but He still loves you? See, that's love perfected is learning to love like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the reality is, is if you and I truly love God, you must love your fellow brother or sister. And, and, and let me just stop. That's hard, isn't it? So we've got to pray that what is perfected in our life? Love. Who does that? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So our prayer should be, Jesus, perfect love in my life. Help me to be like you. Okay? You know, I don't really like those, you know, bracelets and fads that go around like, what would Jesus do, WWJD? How many remember that going around? And, uh, you know, I, I don't really like the fad stuff because, to me, that's just somebody making money off of it. Okay? But I'll be honest with you, in this instance, that maybe is a good concept for us to embrace. Because, like, when we deal with people and we're trying to decide what we do, we maybe need to ask ourselves, well, how would Jesus respond to Bubba? Or how would Jesus respond to her? And then say, okay, that's going to be hard, Lord. If that's how he would respond, I know I can't respond. Help me to respond that way. Perfect your love in my life. Okay, let's. Coffee's in the back. We're, we're, we're done now. Next week we'll be in chapter 5. He's going to talk about the whole issue of believing in Jesus next week, who he is, with any impact of that in our lives. Okay?